Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Rebecca Rosewood, and I'm here to help you keep your curses hexy and your hexes sexy in this snarky, true crime and paranormal podcast. If you like a little personality with your true crime and a little scare with some flair, Thrice Cursed is the podcast for you. Thrice Cursed will be coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts in October. Until then, you can find me on social media such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Thrice Cursed Pod. Until then, keep it hexy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Kudzu Killers, Homicide, and Sweet Tea, where we like to share gothic tales of Southern-style murder. I'm Lark, and the other voice you hear is Kim. Each week, we take turns telling you the gruesome details of serial killers, spree killers, and just plain old mean people that we find interesting, and we hope you do too. Sometimes quirky and weird, but always respectful. So sit back, grab your glass of iced tea, relax, and let us take you step-by-step through our story. And feel free to shoot us a comment on a specific episode on our blog at kudzukillerspodcast.blogspot.com. Now, let's get on with the show. I'm all right. Girl, I got a story. Good. I mean, today is like so close to us, so close to where we have lived, do live. Uncomfortably close. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Let's put the fear of God into you, so let's go. Okay. This story today could read like a John Grisham novel with a little Stephen King thrown in. Cool. Yeah, in fact, it even starts off in Memphis, sister. And guess what? It ends in Dallas, Texas. (laughs) Girl, it's so horrific and intriguing that the story of Dr. Death, as Christopher Dunch was nicknamed, is being made into a miniseries set to be released in 2020 on NBC Universal streaming platform Peacock. It's complete with all-star cast, including Jamie Dornan, Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater, something to look <laughs> forward to, I'm so ready, and terrified. <laughs> so Christopher Dunch, an accredited doctor, but incompetent Dallas neurosurgeon, whose wrongdoing was pretty close to butchery during a career that only lasted from 2012 to 2013. Wow. 30, yeah, 33 people were maimed or died under his knife. In a year? Actually, there were 37 people he operated on. So there were only, there were 33 people that were maimed or died. Two of them died. Only, yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves because it's got it's got to keep a scorecard here. But anyway, so in roughly a little more than one year, 
let's say. It's a little more than one year. Uh, this smooth-talking former college football player, blue-eyed, pretty handsome dude, to be honest. He'd practiced medicine in Dallas and pretty much all over the swanky side of Dallas. And you know what I'm talking about. We'll get oh, yeah. to that. <laughs> um, like I say, he operated on only 37 patients and 33 of them came to some serious, serious end. So he was ultimately inadequately trained a self-proclaimed genius, an alleged abuser of cocaine, (laughs) alcohol, LSD, prescription painkillers. After graduating and getting his undergraduate degree in 1995, Dunstan enrolled at the University of Tennessee at Memphis College of Medicine. And he was pretty ambitious, but he really didn't have anything to back that up with because he was going for an MD and a PhD, which I believe he actually got. But uh, as a part of this program, he worked in a research lab that is at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and that goes by the anachronism of UTHSC. So if I say just that later, you'll know what I mean. So he was studying the origins of brain cancer and the various uses of stem cells. And for a time, after he earned his dual degrees in 2001 and 2002, it seemed he might make a career as a biotechnologist in biotech rather than treating patients. Well, would have been a I, smart choice, sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Well, he was appointed head of the school's tissue bank, where he supplied tissue samples to scientists and dunched close and constant proximity to research taught him how to write grants. And he became very knowledgeable in how to secure millions of dollars in funding for research where he was a primary or assistant investigator. I think this is really just his ego that he thought he could get anything. And, you know, that's how he got these grants. So this is kind of like stoking his ego from from this point. Anyway, as he did a surgical residency, Dunch teamed up with two Russian scientists recruited by the University of Tennessee to explore the commercial potential of stem cells to revitalize ailing backs. Now, these guys patented the technology to obtain and grow disc stem cells, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah. And in 2008, they launched a company called Disc Genics. And they, they started this company to develop and sell the new cancer treating drugs, of course, to monotonize it, monetize it, monotonize it, to monetize it. Two of Dunch's supervisors were from the university and they were amongst the first to invest. Ultimately, later, everyone distanced themselves from Dunch in every way possible, um, save for his name on the original patents that they were filed with the research that he had helped to you know, participate in and bring bring to conclusion. So everybody's going to backpedal from him later. So keep in mind that it's probably a blessing, like you said, that his work was focused on extracting brain cancer stem cells from a culture as opposed to a human body. Can you imagine? (laughs) So Dr. Frederick Boop, who is the chief of neurosurgery at the University of Tennessee, and this is the hospital where Dunch did his research, appears to have known that Dunch was a substance abuser. So he ultimately sent him to an impaired physician's program, and then later he was returned back to his residency program, where Dunst completed his residency having participated in, get this, fewer than a hundred total surgeries, okay? He'd only done a hundred, which is a fraction of the average, which is over a thousand surgeries. So they usually have to do over a thousand surgeries to get their certification or their license, but he only did a hundred? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. He only did a hundred. How do you get by with that? He's hurting people. I don't know exactly. There are are a lot of things that are coming into play here in a second. So after he completed his uh, UTHSC residence. Dunch relocated in Plano, that's in Texas, in 2011. So let me just mention to you that do not know, Plano is a super rich suburb of Dallas. It's in North Dallas. And he was hired at Baylor Scott and White Medical Center, which is a very prestigious hospital in the entire country. A vascular surgeon who also operated at Baylor Plano, his name is Dr. Randall Kirby. Now, he met him soon after he started at, at Baylor, and he found him to be a real arrogant kind of know-it-all. And that pretty much sets Shocking. the tone. Yeah. yeah. I think they rubbed each other wrong from the very get-go. And then on December the 3rd, in 2012, he operated on a man named Lee Passmore. Now, at the time, and this is sad, I think, because it's just so all connected. At the time, Passmore was an investigator in the Collin County Medical Examiner's Office. So Collin County is where Plano and McKinney and all these other rich 
um, suburbs are. And the vascular surgeon Mark Hoyle assisted with the operation. And in later testimony, he said he watched in total alarm and horror as Dutch began to cut out a ligament around the spinal cord that's not <gasps> typically disturbed in such procedures. Oh, my word. Passmore started bleeding just like a waterfall, so right. much so that the operating field was submerged in like a lake <gasps> of blood. Oh no. Dripping off the table on the floor, sloshing on the ground. It was just terrible. So Dench not only misplaced hardware and passed more spine, but he <gasps> stripped the screw as he was screwing oh. it in oh. so that it couldn't be moved. And now the other yeah. surgeon, Mark Hoyle, was testifying to all this, you know, later down the road. Right. So at one point, Hoyle said he either grabbed Dunch's scalpel or he blocked the incision. He couldn't quite remember because it was all just so horrific to keep him from continuing the procedure, right? And then he said that when Hoyle left the operating room, he just vowed he would never work with Dunch again. It was just too over the top and real. So just wow, right? <laughs> Yeah, we're not even getting started yet. So this is what his first surgery with yes. them, or yes, oh my yes, Lord. that's that's the first one, mm -hmm. the very first one. So soon after that, another victim he'd left disabled by the name of Barry Morgeloff. Soon after that, he has some big brass ones, girl. He operated oh, on his old high school buddy and friend and roommate. And this boy's name is Jerry Summers. They actually played football together in high school. So, Well, and he probably trusted him because he knew him, right? Well, he actually shouldn't have because he knew him. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, uh, true. so yeah. yeah. So, so Dunch had it damaged Summer's vertebral artery, causing it to bleed almost controllably. So he's forever nicking things. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, did the, so to, on the first did the first guy survive that he did this to the first um, the very first surgery? Did he survive? He did survive. The other two okay. are women that died. I think. Let me make sure. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So meanwhile, Jerry Summers, his buddy. His football buddy. He snicked this vertebral artery and it's caused it to bleed so uncontrollably that to stop the bleeding, he packs the space with so much anticoagulant that it starts to squeeze Summer's spine. Mm. It ultimately left him a quadriplegic. Oh, no. Now, at some point, like very, all this happens really quickly after he harms these people. They are in such pain and, and you know, it's just they either in excruciating pain or they just die. They meet pretty quick. Mm. And because uh, he's messing with your spine, you know? Right. So his, his ex-roommate was in so much pain after the surgery, and he was kind of out of his mind on pain meds and pain. You know how you're just like insane right, when you're in right. so much pain. So he started to tell everyone that would listen, basically, that his buddy Chris and he, the night before, had binged all night before the operation on cocaine and, and drugs and drank and this and that. So while that basically turned out to be a lie, mm -hmm. but obviously that these binges had happened before, so... In his altered state, he wasn't really stretched to make up his story, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So after his roommate raised an alarm, he was sent for a drug test where he kind of stalled at first because remember he was sent for a drug test in university too. Right. But he ultimately passed both the drug and the separate psychological eval, right? So he comes back to work. Well, his first patient back was a 55-year-old elementary school teacher by the name of Kelly Martin. Now, she had a compressed nerve from falling off a ladder. And her surgery was a routine procedure called a microlamianectomy, microlamianectomy, in which part of the spine is removed to relieve pressure on the nerves. It's supposedly routine. So during the surgery, records show that Martin's blood pressure just inexplicably plummeted. Right. So as she regained consciousness after the surgery... The nurses tending to her testified that she began to like slap and claw at her legs, which were beginning to turn splotchy and mottly in color. Well, that was happening because guess what? He cut off all the blood circulation. I believe she was bleeding out. Oh, internally right so she became so agitated that the, the staff had to sedate her and she never reawakened and then an autopsy later came to the conclusion that dunst had cut a major vessel in her sp oh, spinal cord and within hours of the procedure she bled to death jeez. Oh, so that's his first death so plano Baylor Plano ordered another drug test and he came up clean again. But his days were over at this facility. They reviewed his case and decided he was done. Good. But, and this part is 
Yeah, but this part right here is super important, okay? okay? They didn't fire him outright. Instead, they gave him the option to resign. Yeah, they so, usually do that for them. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. He resigned and he left on April the 20th, uh, 2012 with a lawyer negotiated letter, of course. Uh-huh. And since technically his leaving was voluntary. It didn't Baylor go on Plano, Correct. Baylor Plano was under no obligation to report him to the National Practitioner Data Bank. No. And they didn't. Oh. Now, let me just He has killed somebody. <laughs> well, he had killed somebody. She was dead. Right. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah. yeah they don't want to know. My hands are clean, dude. No. So, so anyway... Let me explain what this data bank is because this is, on, I don't know if this is international, but it's a national thing here in the U.S. It was established in 1990 and tracks malpractice payouts and adverse actions taken against doctors, such as being fired, barred from Medicare, handing a lo- handed along suspensions, or having a license suspended or revoked. So, okay. this information is not available to the public or to other doctors, but it is to the hospital administration have access to the database and are supposed to use it to make sure problem doctors can't shed their past by moving from state to state or hospital to hospital, which is, hello, what we're doing. Exactly. So exactly. with all that in mind, on to his next hospital to read horror. So, okay. The next place turns out to be Dallas Medical Center, who never checked in with Baylor Plano for references even, and they just boom granted him privileges. Lovely. Second because he patient. went in all confident and everything, and he's so self centered and egotistical they believed him probably well yeah oh yeah oh yeah he was he should have sold cars girl you know he should have sold stocks yeah (laughs) yeah so the second patient to die and these these are patients i'm telling you in order of Mm -hmm. what's you know the second patient to die which were like that is third patient right right was a 64 year old bank teller by the name of floella brown now she suffered a stroke after Dunch severely damaged her vertebral artery, during which, again, the same kind of routine operation. Right. And Miss Brown bled so much that, again, the blood was saturating the blue, draping around her body and dripping onto the floor. And the, the nurses... It's almost like he doesn't know the anatomy of that person, uh, of a human being's spinal area, and doesn't know what he's doing. Well, you know, one of the other doctors later that, that kind of took him down made the comment that it seemed like he knew all the things that he should do and did the exact opposite. Wow. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so... Right. They said that, the you know, there was so much blood that the nursing staff were having to put towels on the floor so they didn't slip. And it was just, you know, hor- horrific. So, and they're used to gore, you know. So while Miss Brown was still in the ICU, he went on to take another surgery. So Miss Brown is dying in the other room and he starts another surgery, a second surgery in the day on a 71-year-old lady by the name of Mary Efford. Kyle Kissinger, an operating room nurse, testified that Dunch arrived 45 minutes late for the procedure. He had pinpoint pupils and hardly seemed to blink. Oh, jeez. He's high. No, no, no. Dunch Dunch had the pinpoint pupils. That's what I'm saying. He's high. Oh, yeah. He's high. (laughs) So he must have nipped off between Mrs. Brown, got a few bumps, and came on into Miss Mary, right? Went in the bathroom and snorted up some. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes back in, and the nurse, Kissinger, also notices that he's wearing the same scrubs that he had on, and he realizes he's had those scrubs on for the last three days. (gasps) And, And not only does he realize that, but remember there was all that blood in the other room. Yeah. And also, also, he said he noticed there was a hole in like the butt part of his pants, the scrubs. And he said he noticed that hole because it made an impression on him because he could see through it and he wasn't wearing any underwear. <gasps> so he's just like kind of <laughs> weird. And, I mean, yeah, what, what are his kinks? We don't know. But so the poor lady, Miss Mary, she wakes up the next day in agony. She can't move or wiggle her toes. The hospital administrators call Dr. Robert Henderson. Now, he's an important player here. He's a Dallas spine surgeon, and he's called in to repair the damages, kind of on emergency. So Dr. Henderson discovers that there were three holes poked into uh, Miss Mary Efford's spinal column, where Dunch had tried and failed again to insert screws. And one screw was jabbed directly into her spinal canal. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. That same screw had also skewered the nerves that controlled one leg and the bladder. Henderson 
Dr. Henderson, cleaned out bone fragments, and then he discovered that also one of Alfred's nerve roots, the bundle of nerves coming out of the spine, was completely gone. He removed them? Yes. He had to know. If he knew any kind of anatomy at all, he had to know what he was doing. Well, I think he he did, because later on, he's going to confess some things, and it will all kind of make sense, but I, I do believe he knew, and, you know, I think he so, yeah. so um, Dr. Henderson was kind of freaked out about all this. And he said, you know, why in the world had he done this? And, um, you know, this is, this is what the stuff of nightmares, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe at this point, we should take a little bitty break. Okay. And we'll come back in a few minutes and give you some more of the gore. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Ashley, and I'm a teacher in Georgia. And I'm Talia, and I'm studying to be a crime scene tech in Colorado. Join us every week as we enjoy a cocktail or two. And bring you stories that we find fascinating and scary. (laughs) Some make us laugh, and a few make us cry. But every single one keeps us up at night. So grab a drink and listen as we spin the wheel of murder to determine our category for the next episode. A teacher and a crime scene tech walk into a bar, available wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. coming back for the rest of the story y'all there's a lot more to this oh my god so a neurosurgeon hired to review our miss brown's case would later determine that dench had both pierced and blocked her vertebral artery with a misplaced oh, no. screw oh, no. so he's just like you know he, i don't think he could even be a car mechanic personally but oh my well, god it doesn't sound like it no so i want to mention that i'm really sad to say i can't mention all of his 33 victims out of the 37 total people he operated on you know each they just didn't release their information or it's... no we only have so many minutes on our podcast <laughs> sadly they there was more information but um that's the thing. They each our listeners can go out there and read it, you know, find out. Yeah, about they each have their own stories, but truthfully, the luck of the draw only really gave four people an escape from his insanity. Mm-mm-mm. So from here. With Miss Brown, he left dozens of botched surgeries in his wake. Even his friend and roommate, Jerry Summers, allowed him to perform surgery on his back. None the wiser about his history. Right. Now, you know, Summers commented later that he'd frequently leave his keys in the door and never learn to check the lock. And his friends joked that they would, they wouldn't get surgery from him. And one of them even said, <laughs> yeah, you'll end up sewing something inside my head. Oh, Lord. He, and well, now, it sounds course, like he's not very detail oriented. <laughs> leaving his <laughs> keys in the door, you know. <laughs> It's just, I can't even think who to liken him to. It's just insane. The fact that he somehow managed to find another job operating on patients who were unaware of his history is mind-boggling. But maybe it's really not because, you know, just like we were talking about, our parents and our grandparents and even lots of people our age think, Oh, the surgeon is God. The doctor, the surgeon. Well, the doctor... 
Well, your yeah. doctor tells them something and they believe it and they don't want to ask questions. And I'm, I've always been with my parents. I was always, ask him questions. You need to know well, you, what he's proposing to do. You need to know what's going on. And older people are just reluctant to do that because they feel like he knows what he's talking about. And yeah, most of them do, but some of them don't, obviously. Or they're scared completely the other way. And don't want True. to have anything to do with the the doctor or the hospital, you know. Right. And, and at this point, I'm beginning to feel that way. <laughs> All of this, oh my god! And, uh, no, so, there are good guys out there. You just need to do your due diligence and look that's into who true. you're going to let cut you open you know well that's absolutely true that's absolutely true i mean um not to tell a personal story but yeah <laughs> so i'll tell a personal story i'm going to give a shout out to my cancer surgeon dr heffernan because i think i had the best one in the country and you know what i did research on him before i let him cut me open and uh, i felt like i had the best guy for the job and the best guy that could possibly be touching me so thanks dr heffernan there you go so there Cancer-free now. <laughs> and by the way, he is in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. He's in, he has offices in Dallas and Plano. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. And we love you, Dr. Heffernan. <laughs> uh-huh. There you go. Well, <clears throat> anyway, so you may ask yourself, how did he get away with all this? And keep jumping from hospital to hospital. Now, there is a veteran medical journalist by the name of Laura Beale, who originally broke this story. And she was from the Dallas Morning News. And she just really went into this story in total depth. Now, she states that at every juncture where there was a safety mechanism in place that could have stopped him, it still didn't happen. And sometimes hospitals skirt the rules on these things because it's troublesome and time-consuming and expensive to fire someone instead of just letting them go and make it appear voluntarily. It's just much easier to make a problem go away than it is to tackle it head on. Well, that, that's the way it is in most places, I think, pretty much. It is, it is. It's, it's not, well, not just with, uh, probably not just the medical situation, but the medical situation profession has a lot more ramifications than well, right. You obviously can kill somebody if you don't know what you're doing. So, Well, right. Because Baylor Plano allowed Dunch to leave voluntarily, it avoided having to report his wrongdoing and leaving other hospitals without crucial information and the public at risk. So within weeks, he was again booted and nothing reported because, you know, red tape. So right. Dunch was allowed to resign from the Dallas Medical Center. Remember, that's where he killed the last person. Right. And neither did they notify the National Practitioner Data Bank. So, so he, where did he go next? Because obviously he's going to trot on over to another place and oh. put in his uh, cards. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Next stop was Legacy Surgery Center. <gasps> I know where that is. Well... <laughs> well, this is where he again horribly botched another surgery on a lady by the name of Jacqueline Troy. And during uh-huh. her next surgery at this outpatient facility, he cut her vocal cords <gasps> and one of her arteries. Oh, no. So he's been kind of the, under the radar of Dr. Kirby. Dr. Henderson had started out cleaning up his mess. But then there's a Dr. Kirby of Methodist Hospital who was called after... Jacqueline got out of um, her day surgery. She started to to feel odd. And so Dr. Mm -hmm. Kirby of Methodist Hospital, McKinney, hello McKinney, Mm -hmm. was asked to help Jacqueline because by now she had a a horrible, severe infection. Now, at this point, Henderson and Kirby have him on their radar. And they started comparing notes yet or do they not know about each other? They eventually hook up. I don't think they've hooked up at this Mm -hmm. point. And so Dutch was finally reported to the National Practice practitioner data bank. They reported him. Good. No, though, not by his employers. Methodist Hospital McKinney had previously refused him and ultimately reported him. Now, Dr. Kirby was with Methodist Hospital and he was called to clean up the problem. You know, right. um, Dunch didn't go to work for Methodist, but they finally reported him. And really it was down to Dr. Kirby that did it, not not right. the hospital. Thank you, Dr. So, Kirby. Yeah. So anyway, even, a- even after he was reported to the data bank, another hospital gave him privileges. <gasps> Which one? I want to know. University General. Now, I don't know they were formerly known as Southampton Community Hospital. However, they're now closed. So yay, thank God for that. Yeah, yeah. that's probably why I never heard of them. Okay, well, good. 
you know, here they are. Anyway, so then after being called in to help Elford, remember Ari- Mary Elford? Yes. Dr. Randall Henderson was the one that went to help her and Kirby right. helped. Jack one. Okay. So right. Dr. Henderson then made it his personal mission to stop Dutch from operating. Good. So he also contributed to him being reported to the Texas Medical Board. Now, Dr. Henderson really hopes that this will be a wake-up call for the Texas health care system, as well as to the public, to do just like what you said, to do your research. Yep. Do your and- research, people. If somebody's going to be cutting open your body, make sure he's the best somebody you can get and not just whoever is recommended to you. Well, these are, these are Dr. Robert Henderson's words. He says, always ask for a second opinion. Talk to the nurses. Don't think that surgeons are right. gods. Where did we hear that? I did that too. I talked to nurses. I talked to anesthesiologists that uh, were friends of a friend and people like that to check out my guy before I let him touch me. And they, they all had glowing things to say about him. They all loved him. So I knew well, that was my guy. And this, that's exactly right. That's exactly important. And um, like say Dr. Henderson goes on to say, you know, don't let them just bribe you into thinking they're gods, even though apparently some of them do think they are well, of course like they this do. guy. So even after Dunch was reported to the data bank, another hospital gave him privileges, like we said, but Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson and another doctor who I couldn't find who he was, but they decided to contact the district attorney in Texas. We convinced that Dunch was malpractice was so egregious that it was criminal. Now, they met with assist, the assistant DA, but they really got no traction. So on December the 6th, 2013, the medical board permanently revoked Dench's license. About time. But wait. (laughs) Now he gets into the weirdness of it all. So in March 2014, police were called to a bank in Northeast Dallas after passersby noticed a man with blood on his hands and his face beating on the doors of the bank. Gotta love it. And he was babbling about his family being in danger and wearing a black scrub shirt and he was covered in blood. Covered in blood. So the oh, officer geez. showed up and basically took him to the nearby hospital, psych ward. Mm-hmm. The psych hospital. Right. So that was March. Now in April, he was arrested at a local Walmart for shoplifting. This guy's so he just had a- completely lost it, hadn't he? Oh, it, yeah. It goes on and on. So he, um, so he had this huge basket shopping basket of stuff and he went in and he changed all his clothes in walmart then he just pushed the, bu- the buggy out and you know didn't pay for it so he was immediately arrested well, well of course <laughs> he was i know so the texas <laughs> no it's like what are you thinking you're not thinking and if you're so hoity freaking toity why are you wearing shopping you know, at the walmart <laughs> yeah shoplifting at the walmart you know so anyway at least um, go to macy's well hey yeah you know they'll give you coffee while they arrest you um, i've heard <laughs> anyway the texas observer really had a field day with this and they called him the psychopath surgeon they did an article and they called him a psychopath surgeon but the article said psychopath surgeon dunched arrested for shoplifting pants okay well that just sent him over the edge right so, i'm sure oh yeah so he responded with this diatribe in a cyber manifesto right there's always a manifesto right there's always a manifesto yes <laughs> so it ran to more than 80 pages when you printed it out oh jeez <laughs> i know so at this point, he is personally directing his comments at Dr. Kirby because he knows that Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson are out to get him, right? Plus, he's well, yeah. obviously nuts and paranoid him. Anyway, so Kirby then went to the assistant district attorney by the name of Michelle Sugart, who started to look into the case and discovered that no one had ever prosecuted a doctor for what they'd actually done during the surgery. Can you imagine? Yeah, I just can't see that. No. Well, apparently, this is like a precedented case. So Kirby presented this to her as murder and they ultimately settled. I know. Of course, it went to court, right? It went to court. Right. It went crazy. And all these people came in, families and uh, testified and those who were hurt and harmed or whatnot who could come testified. And ultimately, they didn't get him for murder, but they ultimately settled on five counts of aggravated assault arising from his treatment of four of the patients, including 
Miss Brown and Glidewell, and one count of injury to an elderly person because Miss Mary Efford, remember, was over right. 65. That's all they could get him on? I don't know why they didn't go for the other lady because I didn't mention that, you know, she was, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Miss Mary was over 65. She was 71. So one of the key, and you're going to love this, a key prosecution witness was Kimberly Morgan. Okay. Now she'd been his surgical assistant from August 2011 through March 2012. So that was a little bit of a long time for his career. Yeah. Well, she was also his ex-girlfriend, right? Ah. So Morgan described Dench's mercurial nature as vacillating from being kind and caring to patients to being angry and confrontational behind closed doors. Okay. So that happens. It tends to happen when you're high on cocaine and drunk and everything else and killing people. But, you know, I And you have, and you're a psychopathic egomaniac right with a surgeon complex right with a god (laughs) complex yeah exactly yeah so the prosecutors had morgan read parts of an email that he sent her in like the crack of the dawn kind of hours of december the 11th 2011 now remember he started all his he was kind of on the beginning of his career quote unquote in 2011 remember so Yeah. This was three weeks before he started on, on Lee Passmore at Baylor Plano. Right. The first of the disaster of that. Right. And here's what it said. Unfortunately, you cannot understand that I am building an empire and I am so far outside the box that the earth is small and the sun is bright, Dunch wrote. Okay. I am ready to leave the love and kindness and goodness and patience that I mix with everything else that I am and become a cold-blooded killer. Oh. So maybe he was doing this just for the hell of it. Ah. I think he was nuts <laughs> on top sounds, of being. It sounds I think like it was and nuts. a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And between the drugs and, you know, let's be honest, the doctor's schedule is not fair. You're up hours and hours and hours. Oh, yeah. You're up at the crack you know, of dawn and you don't go to bed until, you know, you almost know, time um, to get up again. Yeah, it's terrible. He wasn't it's trained properly job. for whatever reason. Why in the world didn't they give him more practice? You know? Right. A hundred. He got a tenth of the practice that most most surgeons get then basically yeah and so did he not have the practice because he was afraid or i wouldn't think he would have shied away from it he doesn't seem like they just think well did you think do you think they just thought you know okay he's not he's not any good so we won't let him hurt anybody but we'll pass him on through i mean i don't understand but i have no clue what they were thinking by giving him a a license he might have been one of those people who was really able to easily pass the tests but not be able to to be to practice in practical terms you know well we're gonna get to that in a sec too what do they call it (laughs) book smart and sense poor or something like that (laughs) yeah not 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 a yeah you can you can do it on paper, right? Well, so he said this, you know, all this stuff came out in the trial. And at the end of the day, it took the jurors like four hours to find him guilty of knowingly injuring Mary Efford. It's about and three hours t- and 58 minutes longer than it would take in me. Well, exactly. <laughs> and that uh, he, he was intentionally guilty. He was guilty of intentional malice in all of his botched surgeries. So basically, he knew what he was doing and he did it on purpose. So mm-hmm. he was sentenced to a life in prison. Good. That's where he needs to he, be. He's currently incarcerated in Huntsville, which is about an hour outside of Houston. Most people from Texas know where Huntsville is. <laughs> that's where That's where they stick you. Yeah. Huntsville is where you go to, to die. To meet your maker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, remember Lark's proclivity for the death penalty. Anyway, that's where you go to die is Huntsville. Well, but the wonderful thing of this really and truly is this is this conviction for malicious intent during surgery is also believed to be the first of its kind. And so it'll make it easier for them to when some crazy nut job with a medical license does this sort of thing again, it'll be easier to prosecute them because there's precedence then, right? Exactly. Right. 
it sets that precedent. So, so um, any questions before I tell you something I came across at the very end of all this, which makes me so curious why no one else did when I came across it in my research of two oh, days. Oh, wow. That sounds too good to delay. So let's hear about that. Well, I accidentally come across a letter from Dr. Christopher I. Shaffrey, MD, F-A-N. NS, which I don't know what F-A-A-N-S means, but I think it means this is the president of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons, which is the A-A-N-S. I think it means fellow American, meaning he is a fellow. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Right. A, f- a fellow being, um, how would you a explain that A member of this group. Well, a fellow is usually, you know, like a member of the, that group or whatever he's a... Yeah. Or a graduate of that school or... Yeah. Right. Right. Or um, a professor of that group. Anyway. Right. So, June 17, 2019 to Kimberly D. Harris, Executive Vice President of Comcast, General Counsel of NBC Universal regarding a television series by the name of License to Kill. Okay. Are y'all ready for this? Now, this letter went on and on and on. I tried to condense it. It went on and on and on. License to Kill states in an episode of one of their shows, which is the story of Christopher D. Comcast states, CD is, quote, board certified to do brain and spinal surgery. Okay. Dr. Shafrey says, Dunce never completed the rigorous certification (sighs) process mandated by the ABNS and consequently was not eligible to be a fellow in the AANS. So he was never a neurosurgeon to begin with. No, ma'am. Oh, my God. So none of these hospitals bothered to check out his credentials to see if he was even licensed or certified to do the surgeries they were letting him do? No, ma'am. They owe those people a lot of money. I think so. I can't even believe it. I I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine this happening. There is no reason not to know. This is in the computer age. This didn't happen like in 1953 when, you know, it was a piece of paper in a file somewhere. This happened when you've got the internet everywhere. This happened when they have digital files and digital licensing. You can look up any doctor anywhere and find out anything about them and they didn't bother. So they should be. I found this and I would and barely even looking and click there I was in you know a, a medical journal and there it was you know I mean this puts unbelievable I know it I know I just like I got chills I have chills again just telling you I mean this puts such a deep spin on this to me he never was a neurosurgeon to begin with so consider the false documents to get hired at these hospitals and just why didn't it oh why didn't this come out in court why did they have to go back and forth at all why didn't they just bring this out and say he was never a doctor. I mean, wait. Okay. He was a doctor. He was a doctor, but he was he not a certified neurosurgeon. neurosurgeon. Right. 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 Now, now I'm, I haven't read the rest of this letter to you, but just as a side note, the reason that um, the reason that a neurosurgeon is so beneficial, it's financial to these hospitals, that in order to have uh, one on your staff, right, they right. are going to legitimately bring in, I believe it was at least at least a million dollars just what, per year, just because they have one. Oh, on at least. At least, yeah. So they're money in the bank. Right. And so they're going to so take So why check the them rest. out? We're just going to take whoever comes and apply. Oh, I'm going to go apply as a neurosurgeon. Well, exactly. Jeez. I mean, anybody that's got I, the I can balls probably to do, do as well as that guy did. I mean, maybe even a little better. I mean, I... I I just, At least you know, I know I the just, anatomy of your spine. I'm not going to cut out a bunch of nerves. Well, I mean, this is so. Uh, this is exactly, and 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 it freaks me out because just recently I had in the last two years I had a terrible problem with my back, and the first thing I wanted to do is cut me open, and I'm like, oh no no no, right? And now I'm fine, just you know, from some yoga and some other stuff. But that's oh my god, can you imagine? I cannot, I cannot, and I cannot imagine that they had this information well, that the families of these people have this information or those hospitals I would think would be in a lot of trouble. Let me tell you what, if I were these people, I would be suing left and right. Oh, really. of course. Absolutely. Because I think mean, of it, the expense of the, the care, the ones that survived. Have. Well, you know, see, yeah, some of them, some of them got some, some, you know, they got a little something, something, but, but this would have been even worse because that this lays at right. the hospital's feet. Right. Because they did not check out his credentials before they hired him and allowed him to practice in their hospital. So I mean, I just, I was just flat out floored when I 
I found this. And and so the letter continues, which I love because the guy is right. Um, Dr. Shafri is totally right when he says, even a minimum amount of due diligence would have revealed that Dr. Dench was neither board certified nor a fellow of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. As set forth in the letter to you from the ABNS, the purpose of board certification in neurological surgery is to identify and certify only those practitioners who are available to demonstrate both their regular practice and in the context of a thorough in-person oral exam that they have the knowledge and disposition to practice completely and safely. Dr. Dunch never attempted to make the showing necessary to obtain certification from the ABNS. The fact that certain institutions where Dr. Dunch practiced failed in their patient safety mission does not somehow mean that the AANS or other organizations within organized neurosurgery were somehow complicit. So he's trying to also put that. Well, yeah, he's getting, get, <laughs> he's pulling his own bed out of the we, fire. Yeah, everybody, you know, backpedals away from him. So meanwhile, yeah. I'm not, I don't have anything to do with him, but how dare you take that right. back, you know? Right. So he says, he's really He's not this, one of us. <laughs> right, right, right. He's, this letter went on and on. I had to break it down. So anyway, by allowing this inaccuracy to air, your network is espousing to the public that the American Association of Neurological Surgeons routinely certifies incompetent practitioners and further that such practitioners are fellows in the AANS. There is simply no basis for this misleading and entirely inaccurate, he's pissed, inaccurate view, which serves to damage the reputations of the AANS and the ABNS. The rigorous process required by the ABNS as well as by other certifying boards protects the public by distinguishing between those practitioners who are competent, knowledgeable, and safe and those who are not. And he's absolutely 100% right. Oh, that's not all. (laughs) But of course he's 100% right. I mean, of course he is. And I mean, he's like, you know what? Hey, how dare this guy? I went through, I paid my dues. I've worked my ass off. You know, who the frig are you? Yeah. And so, right. I mean, he's just, I don't blame him. I mean, he's mad I don't on either. a million different I don't levels. Either. But I mean, I'm just, I mean, I can't even get over this letter, Kim. And so, um, like I say, there's a whole much more, but he signs off to this girl, the legal counsel at um, NBC. And he says, in order to avoid falsely misleading the public, we expect that Oxygen, NBC Universal, and Comcast will take all appropriate measures to retract or remove the erroneous statement and limit the damage that has already been done. The American Association of Neurological Surgeons reserves its right to take other appropriate measures, measures if you fail to act. Basically fix this or we're, we're going to sue you if you don't take that out of your show. Yep. So that was a show on Oxygen and I think that aired that aired last year, 2019, I think, fall of 2019. Well, the letter, see, this new show that's coming up is with somebody else. But this okay. new, but this one, uh, this letter. This was the dated, Oxygen show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, it's the same company. So they're going right, to right. put, they're, they're going to milk know, it for all they can get out of it. Sure. Well, yeah. They I paid mean, for the rights times... to the, the story. So they're going to well, do right. all exactly. they can. Yeah. You know how many times we watch these different shows? Like we'll watch a story on one murder crime show and then the and there's right. the same stories as somewhere else. But anyway, right. so, but I have another, are, are we finished being incensed about um, the yes. American Association? Of, okay. Because I have another yeah, twist we're, for we're you. we're running out of time. So. I have another <laughs> twist for you personally. Here we go. You want to hear this? You're yeah. Gonna, you're going to, you're going to, I'm not afraid. Gonna swear, but you're going to, yeah. So remember way back at the beginning, Dr. Frederick Boop, remember him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, who he knew, he, he was the one that was one of the professors for him from the get go. And he instructed him at UT. And guess what? He is now the MD chief of pediatric neurosurgery at St. Jude. <gasps> no, he isn't. Yes, ma'am. Mm, mm, I need to call somebody. <laughs> Would you would you like to mention why this taints your heart so? <laughs> well, because St. Jude was my very first uh, job when I first got out of college, uh, working in the virology department there, uh, doing research on influenza and other viruses. And those kids, they deserve the very best. I, we ate lunch with them. We got to know 
some of the kids and because it was a smaller facility when I started working there a million years ago than it is now. And you, you know, you had lunch where the kids were having lunch and you got to see them and you got to say hi to some of them. And these kids deserve the best and to, well, that guy better be the best. Well, I have a hard time thinking that he is if he instructed, um, this goober that's now in jail. But you know what? If we can say anything, y'all maybe kick a little something, something to St. Jude. And yes, this will make, please. Maybe that'll make us... Some of this is, right. you know, St. Jude is is the best place in the world. Those kids don't, their family doesn't pay a dime for the treatment that they receive. In fact, their parents, the family is uh, often given a place to live so that they can be nearby if they're from uh, far away. And all of this is free of charge because of uh, the fundraising that goes on uh, with Marlo Thomas and with uh, uh, ALSAC, which is their fundraising uh, end of St. Jude. And, you know, if you got a few extra bucks, Kick, kick it their way. They really do good work. And if you have even more, maybe you can kick us a little bit over on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> but give it to St. Jude first, okay? And, and, you know, hey, maybe you ought to rewind all this and think about your uh, doctor next time you go to the doctor and be mm, sure that's you are right. the right dude. Do your due diligence and make sure you're getting the very best like my doctor Heffernan. Yeah, so that's all we've got for today. I think that's more than you probably bargained for, but we'll see y'all <laughs> next time. <laughs> Alrighty then. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. That's our episode for this week. Thanks for listening to us, and we hope you join us again every Tuesday for an exciting new episode. Head on over to our blog at kedzukillerspodcast.blogspot.com and leave a comment or your ideas about the subject this week. Or follow us on Twitter at KedzuKillersPod, and you can shout out to us anytime or send a question for our next Q&A. Yes, ma'am, and we'd love you forever if you leave us a review on whatever podcast blows you scared of. We'd love to hear what you think about your show if you'd like to become a part of the kudzu killers family hop on over to patreon.com slash kudzu killers podcast and take a look at the goodies you get when you show us some love that's right and if you love our music check out jody jennings music on facebook soundcloud or all social media and streaming music platforms so until next week or if we decide to shoot out a mini episode bye bye y'all Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.